Hello and welcome to RS Media Live Podcast, episode number five. Tonight I'm joined by Mike Arneman, Russ Farnan, Sean Price, Max Hayes, Malcolm Owen. So good evening, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, Roy. Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Hello, Russ. How are you doing? I'm good, Roy. Are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Hello, Sean. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Good, good. Hello, Malcolm, and welcome to RS Media Podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good. Hello, Max, and also welcome to RS Media Live Podcast. How are you? I've just realised that my mic's muted. Sorry, my mic's muted. Uh, I, th- I think you can hear me now. No, I'm I'm really good, mate. Sorry, some technical issues with it soon. Um, thanks for having me. No, it's really good to be on talking all things forest. Yeah. Yep. So the first thing we're going to talk about is going to be some of the transfers that have happened over the course of the last few weeks due to us not doing the podcast last week due to a few absences that we had. So we've the first one we're going to talk about is the signing of Nelson Samido signing for 27.6 million to Wolves. We've got Ryan Brewster who signed for Sheffield United for 23.5 million from Liverpool. We've got Chris Morlin signing for AS Roma. Uh, Alex Tellers, who signed for Manchester United, and then the big signing of transfer deadline, which was Thomas Party signing for mm. Arsenal from Atletico Madrid for forty-five million. So, anyone got any thoughts on that? So, I'm going to go United to United should have kept all the small in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I... I know, I, he's think, not every, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but at least he can defend. Yeah. I, I thought when they... I mean, with Maguire and Bay being playing awful lately, I thought maybe they could have chucked um, Smalling in. They, because he didn't sign till Monday, so they could have still played him. But anyone else got any thoughts on this? It's a bit like like he wasn't going to play for Man United Smalling. He had to he had to leave and go to a place for somewhere else, and he chose Roma because he went on loan to Roma last season. So it's a good move for all parties, but it's a shame that um, he got frozen out of Ollie's um, plans. <clears throat> yeah, you got any thoughts on party, Mike or Sean? Yeah, let me just come in there as well. And uh, I'll, I'll go back to what you know you were saying about uh, Chris Morden there as well, Malcolm. I think that's, uh, you know, a lot better than what United have got. You know, if you look at Maguire, you look at Eric Bailly, you look at some of the other options they've got there at centre-back as well. Um, Phil Jones. Uh, don't know whether Phil Jones is even in the plans or whatever at the moment. But, you know, Chris Morden there, I know he's been out, I think he was on loan at Roma anyway, but he's the kind of player that, I'm, I'm sure is uh, a step up from those guys there. 
Uh, in regards to Thomas Party, right, I think that's a great signing for Arsenal. Um, would I have liked to have you know, got a second or third signing over the line as well? Yeah, of course I would. Um, but Thomas Party is an absolute, you know, he's a competitive midfielder. Um, he com uh, sort of competes well and, yeah, he's, he's just a, a real sort of talented player. And I think he'll fit in nicely with that midfield and kind of give uh, a little bit of good competition for the likes of Granite Jacker and Danny Ceballos in there as well. Mm -hmm. And even El Nani has been getting a run out lately. You got any thoughts on this, Sean? Yeah, from the way I look look at him, he's like a quite a good player, and it's something that we need to complete like a jigsaw because Arteta's building something like we sort of sorted out the um, got rid of the, some of the dead woods that we needed to do, and um, like I think it could be one of those good signings that hopefully he will do very, very well. Yeah, I think he is a good signing. Uh, he's proven that he's quality for AC uh, Atletico Madrid. So I think it, it's probably the best signing that Atletico Madrid have done. So the next thing we're going to talk about... I was just going to say, sorry, Ryan, I was just going to say, actually, uh, that's a, a swap deal as well, virtually, with um, Lucas Torreira has gone out to Atletico Madrid on uh, on a loan, isn't he? So... I know Diego Simeone was a little bit unhappy with that one in regards to, uh, I think he wanted the two to play together. Um, and of course, Arsenal didn't even need to go to Atletico Madrid in the end in regards to that transfer uh, because it was more sanctioned by the actual league itself. Yeah, that is right. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is a departure of Sabri Lamecha of Nottingham, from Nottingham Forest, um, and then they re they appointed Chris Hutton not so long after uh, sacking Sabri. So I know Malcolm and Max will have their says on this. Um, has Mike Russ or Sean got a say on this first? They should have appointed Hutton in, at, at the summer, really, to be honest. Uh, for last season, and then they wouldn't have like they waited. Like, if if Hudson was the first choice, Forrest would have gone in and gone, Do you know what? We we want this guy, but they didn't. They chose the other guy that they sacked. And in the funny thing, football's a funny game. If you're not producing uh, results, you, you're gonna get sacked. Yeah, Russ or Mike, any thoughts? Um, I just wanted to say in regards to Nottingham Forest there as well, I do think that, you know, if you look at their squad, they've got a real talented squad there. And hopefully uh, Chris Hutton, you know, he's, he's managed in the, the Premier League. He's got experience in managing in the Championship as well. Hopefully he can get the best out of them and take them to, you know, back to those sort of glory days of winning the, the Europa Cup and things like that again, maybe in uh, another 10, 15 years' time. Um, I, I know uh, Malcolm remembers that. Max doesn't, but, you know... Uh, I remember Forrest when they were a Premier League team and they were, you know, doing really, really well in the Premier League. And, you know, there was another team from uh, the Midlands that were in there as well. Um, Aston Villa, I think, at the time. And they, they used to be pretty good. And, you know, even, even Leicester and that other team beginning with D that we don't want to talk about. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll leave the rest of it to the experts. So, uh, I don't know which one, whether Malcolm or Max wants to take it first. Don't know, Mark. Age before beauty, Max. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, fair enough. Go on, Mac. Fair enough. Fine, you, you, go, you, go, you go first, mate. And I all will right, chip right. in because uh, you know what I'm like. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll have to let the true professional uh, go first. Um, no, I think I think for, for, for Forrest for, <laughs> for Forrest getting rid of Lamucci, um, it, it, it was disappointing in a way because he was the best manager since Billy Davis, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and, and, and probably, actually, I'd put him definitely. I mean, it isn't hard to beat, but top three managers for me uh, in terms of being a Forrest fan for 16 years, or, well, I suppose... If you take out the time when I was a, a, a really young, but um, so yeah, it, it was disappointing because I think a lot of Forest fans grew a connection to him. If I'm perfectly honest with you, um, I thought he was quite good with the fans. He was quite one of those managers that would like come and clap the fans at full time, and he just and he just had that kind of personality about him, and he won the fans over a lot after O'Neill. So to see him go was sad and disappointing, but it but, but it was the right decision, and um, you know. Like one of you said there, it, it, it was the. I think you know, hindsight now, we should have sacked him straight after that Stoke game and appointed Chris Hutton then because, um, you know, there was numerous rumours that Chris Hutton had already been in talks and, and, and things like that. So, realistically, looking back at it, we should have got rid of him in, in the summer, but of course we didn't. And, and we now talk about the present and Forrest aren't doing well in the present at all. I mean, we've already lost, you know four games is it now that's we're kind of already on a kind of a minus 12 we're on kind of level I suppose with you could say Sheffield Wednesday as they started the season with a point deduction so for Forrest really now with Hewton coming in is that the season starts right here for us this is where we need to pick everything back up and we just need to win because we can't keep you know letting the gap get bigger and bigger because otherwise we'll be finding ourselves in a relegation scrap not a promotion uh, scrap which is where we want to be of course so Sad to see Lamucci go, but definitely the right decision and, and 100% the right decision to appoint Chris Hewton as well. I mean, a fantastic appointment, proven bags of, of, of championship experience. And I mean, if Chris Hewton can't get Forrest up, then I've got no idea who can, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, with Chris Hewton, he got Brighton promoted. He got Newcastle promoted. So he's he's got bags of experience and he's 61, which... I thought he was a lot younger than that. But for someone that's going to get you promoted, I think it's a good appointment, Chris Hewton. What's your thoughts on this, Malcolm? Well, if you look at where we've come from under Sabri, where the first six months, I will, I'll agree with Max, the first six months, six months of his tenure, he was brilliant. He had a win ratio of about 48%. And I mean, for the first two and a half months of the season, we only lost one game, and that was the opening game of the season against West Brom. And this time last year, yeah. we were we were top of the league. We went top away at Stoke City. Mm -hmm. The passion was there, you know. And then after the Leeds game at home, where we beat them two nil, and uh, we really did play well that night, um, it all started to go downhill. And he, he made some very curious decisions in his formation and his lineup, and he became more and more defensive. And to not be able to get us over the line. In the playoffs, when we only needed a point and we finished seventh, is is poor. But I, I don't understand. They gave him a they gave him a new contract with like three games of the season to go. You know, before before it even got in the playoffs. So something's not right somewhere. Whether they were giving him that as a like an early form of compensation or what, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but the definite drop off in form uh, is either to do with there's been negotiations with Chris Hutton going on in the background. Or 
Lumich has just completely lost his way. And and the players, they've stopped playing for him in the last... I mean, we've gone 11 games without a win now. And that's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, last time we won, I think it was Bristol City at home. Uh, I get, we beat them 1-0. And we have back-to-back wins. We beat Huddersfield and Bristol City at home after lockdown. And we haven't won since then. And we've been shocking. We've pl- We've been absolutely awful. We've had, had a big turnover of players. And, of course, the manager's paid the price. He's gone now. Uh, but as far as Chris Hewton goes, I'm over the moon. I, I, you know, I mean, there's Forest fans on social media. We have the most fickle fans in the country. You know, they're on social media. They're already complaining. Some of them saying he's too negative. He plays defensiveness. That well, he got Birmingham City to the playoffs. That's a great achievement on for a team like that, for a club like that with a budget like they've got. You know, he's got Newcastle up. He got Brighton up for the first time in their, you know, to the Premiership in the first time in their history. So I'm really excited. I, I think it's a great appointment, and uh, I think we've got some really good players that have come in now, and we've got a lot of a lot of British players come in. So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully he'll turn it around. He's got baptism of fire. The first two games, the first three games are pretty tough. So yeah. We're waiting. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But it, but, but then again, it, it. I suppose it is Forest. A lot of people say, "Well, is it? Is it too good? Is it too good for Forest? Is Chris Hewton too good for Forest? It, it, is it all going to go wrong? I really hope I'm prove. I am proven wrong because I think you know. I, I think. Go on, Malcolm. I was going to say, Max. I think a lot of it is to do with whether he's allowed to manage, whether he's allowed because Sabri Lemucci. It was interesting for me last night on the Forest website. It said. Sabri Lamucci sacked as head coach. And then 30 minutes later, Chris Hewton appointed as manager. And there's a very distinctive difference between head coach and manager. So I, I yeah. think in all, his, in all his negotiations, he will have made it very clear to the Greeks what he wants to do. And the Greeks will have made it clearish what they're going to allow him to do. Because yeah. they'll, still want, they'll still want to control it because they own the club. And it's and it's the Greek way. It's the, I do a lot of business with with uh, people in Greece, and it's the Greek way. They've got to have they've got to have that control, and that's fair enough. But I think he's gone. He, he would have gone into it with his eyes open, definitely. And it's whether he's allowed to do what he wants to do. I mean, there's already talk about bringing Knockart in because he played with him at play, he played for him at uh, Brighton. I mean, if we got Anthony Knockart in, I'd be uh, you know again, he's one of those players who you hate, but you, you'd love to have him in your team. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Thank you very much for your views there. It's all right. You're welcome. <laughs> it was to be honest, it's really nice to have different views every now and then, especially when it's the first sacking of the season. <laughs> so you don't expect that either. So No, you don't, right. So the f- next thing that we're gonna go on to is our Premier League. So we've got the Premier League banner going across there for us. And Sean's going to take us through that. Yes, uh, people. So we got some uh, touching up on some games up for the um, weekend results. So we start off with um, uh, Leeds United getting a good point against Man City. So I'll ask your opinion on that one. And, because we got a Leeds fan in the group, we we asked Russ first on this on this views on this game. Right, this game I thought first twenty minutes or so, Man City were the better side and could easily been four 0 down. Within the first twenty minutes, 
near post from free kick from Kevin De Bruyne. A lot of the early chances didn't let us play out, didn't let us go out. Once we settled down, we got back into it, created a lot of chances. Could have been level at half time. Dallas had a chance, Luke Ailey had chances to score in that game. In the first half, denied by Edison and really good goalkeeping from both of them. And then second half, Rodrigo worked a bit of a space to get his shot away to win the corner. And then um, God knows what Edison would do when he came and he punched back at Laporte who came through and called Laporte. Missed everything, both missed him. He felt to Rodrigo, the record signing since we are Ferdinand. Which was the last one record signing for Leeds, and he took it away well. And it was probably a good feeling for him to get his first Leeds United goal in a, against a team of high quality players who were like to Sterling, Mares, De Bruyne in the side. And in the second half, Philip screwing to it and didn't let De Bruyne offload and play the not usual game that they like to play. So he did really well there, and be interesting to see. Either go on against Arsenal if in that when we play Arsenal later on in the season. I thought we did done well so far. Good start, seven points from the opening four, and say we played two of the and say we played the top two from that season. I think it's been a very good start for us this campaign, and hopefully, can go on and be even better. So, does anybody else want to have their views on this game? Just to say it was a cracking game to watch as a neutral. It was just, it was like a cup match. It was like a championship game. It was just manic. It's crazy. Definitely. Preferably yeah, 100%. And I saw that game as well. And it was, it was just a crazy game, wasn't it? It was sort of so end to end that it was, you know, rusted it there. These could have been 4 0 down, 3 4 0 down within the first 20 minutes or so. But they got back into it really, really sort of uh, well and competed really well. Um, as they did against Liverpool as well. And, you know, come the end of it, I thought Leeds maybe could have even nicked it. Yeah, I will agree. And I said on Facebook after this game, I said Leeds, if they play like that against any other team, they're going to be in the, they're going to be in the division next season. And it was a great game to watch. I mean, as a neutral, it was just... I, I thought Man City were going to absolutely batter them. But no, Leeds came out fighting. I mean, the goalkeeper for Leeds, Maslera, he was really good, defended his goal really well. And also, uh, with Melier, the goalkeeper that you just mentioned there, he's up... He's still only young, he's only 20 and he's in the French under-21 squad and in a few years' time I can see him challenging Hugo Lloris to be the main French goalkeeper. He's like, I think he's really that good and Ian Pervade proved a point to Man City when he came on and said you shouldn't have let me go. He had a brilliant game in that second half when he came on and he helped change it along with Rodrigo to help us get back into it for me. Right, so we start off with the most surprising result of the Premier League. This was one of the most shockingest results i ever seen in the Premier League. Who would have thought? Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. So who wants to go in on this views? I'll go in first on this. Um, it, it was quite a 
shock as well because Liverpool, who were Premier League champions last season, and they had Alisson out with a shoulder injury, who's now set to be out for four to six weeks. Uh, they've got Manny, who tested positive for COVID-19. And it was just mental game because you don't expect Aston Villa to take a 1-0 lead against the Premier League champions and then go 2-0. And then Liverpool pulled one back with Salah and then it just went rampant. I mean, it could have gone either way. Um, it was during commentary as well with Jamie Carragher. He, he was find, trying to find out facts about the 5-1 defeat and that happened in 1976. And this was actually Aston Villa's Biggest win against Liverpool since not the 1914-15 season. So it, I, I was just like Ollie Watkins, who I rate very highly. Um, I've seen him play for Exeter, seen him play for Brantford, and now he's scored four goals in his four appearances for Aston Villa, scoring his first hat trick in the Premier League as well, so it's really good for Ollie. Anybody yeah. else wants to come in on this game as well? Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, I, I will if it's okay because I, I watched the game and uh, I really enjoyed it as a neutral. It was uh, a crazy game. I mean, Ross Barkley should have had a hat trick. You know, he, he missed on on his day. He would have scored them three on those three goals, but. You know, every time uh, Villa in the second half got behind the high line, they looked like they could score. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. And it does make you think, doesn't it, how much uh, Liverpool rely on Henderson and Mane. So, you know, people have been saying it for a while. If those two got injured, what would happen with them? And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was a great game to watch. And, you know, fair, fair play to Villa. I mean, obviously, that new right-back they've got has made the world a difference to them. Well, you'd know all about that right back as well. <laughs> I think also, as watching him as I suppose a neutral now, and of course I've seen him at Forest, and a lot of people have said that, including a lot of Villa fans that I spoke to, they've said how impressed they are with him. I mean, how he's just quickly transitioned and just switched into Premier League football like that. And there was some crazy stat on Sky Sports uh, showing all his touches and things. And, and Villa fans were saying, you know, Matty Cash is, is one of the best signings we've got this season. Um, better than, you know, the, the I mean, Villa have, have, have shot me and Villa always have with, with the players that they can get. I suppose that I'm not saying, you know, this is no disrespect to Villa. They're a big club. But, I mean, they've got like Ross Barkley... You know, somehow they've managed to still keep hold of Jack Grealish. Um, I mean, obviously, because he's just a lifelong Villa fan, he just wants to stay there. I, I'm, I'm, that's my thought on it. If You know, if it was me, I would have maybe wanted to go for Premier League football. Um, but with, I guess, Jack Grealish already at Villa Premier League. And, of course, there was rumours, wasn't it, about him him leaving a few years ago when Villa were in, were in the Championship. Um but no, I, I think Dean Smith's an incredible manager as well. Uh, I think, you know, if there was actually there's probably one manager that I could have realistically that would, you know, at Forest, if let's say we, we, we were talking about, you know, new manager now, I'd, I'd actually say it would be incredible if we could get something like from Dean Smith. But of course, that's not going to happen. I think Villa, Villa have built a very good 
foundation in terms of a proper club. They're, they, they all ran very well from top to bottom, including recruitment, director of football, coaching, on and off the on and off the field issues. And I think there's a lot of kind of club icons there. There's you know Dean Smith's a Villa fan himself. Players like Jack Grealish who's a Villa fan. So I think they care about the club more. And it's always good to have players and, and coaches like that at a football club. And, and I'm sure Villa are going to do very well. And I'd actually tip them for a bit of an underdog for something like Europe this year, definitely. Well, this, the best signing they've made this season is the keeper. Because as soon as that, as soon as it was rumoured he was going, he was leaving Arsenal, I was like, whoever gets him has got a top keeper. Really good, good player. And he's proved it. I mean, he looked so comfortable on Sunday. Yeah, he did. I mean, Martinez, I mean, he's one of these top quality keepers. He's been at Arsenal for 10 years. It was just amazing. Yeah. Great. Actually, let me just come in on that game as well. Um, Martinez has actually got a really good record since coming in. You know, even when he was at Arsenal, he played in the league game because obviously uh, Leno was injured. He played in the Community Shields. Then he's played, I think, the last three games he's played in um, against Liverpool. He's won them all now. So, you know, that's that's brilliant for him. Um, and Villa that night were, were absolutely fantastic. I do a radio show, and I, so I wasn't actually able to follow the game too sort of vigorously or too closely, but I saw the highlights on that. Um, and I thought they were, they were just exceptional. You know, everyone's looking at that Liverpool side. And I think you said it there, Malcolm, if they're without Alisson and Henderson and Mane... Um, and those sort of three or four players there, they're a completely different side. And it's kind of like the spine really is just falling out of that uh, that team. And, you know, yes, Mo Salah was excellent. But apart from that, Liverpool were, were really, really poor. And uh, Villa just tore them apart and, and kind of took them to the sword. Ollie Watkins, Jack Grealish, uh, Ross Barkley. You know, there was a number of players in there that were just exceptional and... You know, nobody uh, expected that result apart from your mate, Ryan. You accidentally put it on his uh, prediction. Yeah, my good friend, Joe Benwell's mate, Martin Potter, who actually put down Arsenal, Sheffield United, both teams to score. Got that right. He put Tottenham, Man U, and he put Tottenham to win with both teams to score. And then he put Aston Villa, Liverpool, both teams to score, and he accidentally put Aston Villa to win. He put a fiver on this, and he won £848. So I was really wow about that, but he deserves it. Yeah, and I'll just quickly jump in on this as well, and if you take Liverpool v Leeds in this game, it just goes to show that if you attack the Liverpool defence, and especially Virgil van Dijk and Robertson, don't give him time on the ball, you're able to get a resulting bit. And the, Ollie Watkins was the first player to get an hat-trick in the Premier League against Liverpool since Dimitar Berbatov 10 years ago, back in 2010. And Watkins could have easily had four in that game. He, see the crossbow as well and had a shot saved later on as well so if you attack the Liverpool defence you, you can go making mistakes and Lee's shown that Villa's shown that so teams just need to attack when they played Arsenal and Chelsea they didn't really take very f go for after that and like Mike just said they could have had 
11, 12 were the chances they had as well. Right, and then next game we are doing is another shocking result. I never seen it, saw this come in. It was Manchester United 1, Tottenham 6. So who wants to come in on this first? Yeah, let me jump in on that as well. I thought that was an excellent game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Arsenal fan, as, as you know, Sean, because obviously you follow the same club as well. Uh, but you can't, you know, argue that the fact that Spurs were just dominant on that day and, and really deserved the victory. Um, you know, even before the, the red card to Martial as well, which I think that incident was just a, quite a, a soft incident to send him off and not to send off. I think it was Eric Lamella who was also involved in it and, and pretty much, you know, got away with doing exactly the same thing. Uh, but even before that, they looked like they were going to run riot. And, you know, that they did. Uh, Son and, and Harry Kane were were excellent. And, yeah, they, they fully deserved the victory. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, credit to Mourinho to go to Old Trafford there, you know, whether there's fans or not, and to put six past Man United. I don't think that's going to happen for a number of seasons, uh, you know, um, of course, that's that's big credit to Mourinho for doing that. Yeah. Anybody else have their thoughts on this game? I will. I will. Go I saw this game, and my uncle is actually a Man United fan, and he actually messaged me on WhatsApp half, just towards the end of that game, and he went to me, "Do us a favour, Russ. Please don't ring me." That was when. That was it when he was uh, coming up towards full time. So my dad phoned him because he didn't say to my dad, don't ring him. And he went to turn around and said to my dad, don't stall the tub, bro. And then I went, and then I spoke about the red card incident in that game. And I thought if Lamella should have been sent off as well as Martial or either, both of them should have been sent off or none at all. Because both of them lashed out to each other. Yes, Marshall Cartman, but Lamella made a meal by going down quite easily. But Tottenham could easily have more than the six with the chances they created, and could easily have more Man United defensively going very, very wrong. And also, the signings that Man United made, they should have made defensive signings, not fetched in Cavani. Yes, they made Tellers, but they should have fetched in central defender in as well as Tellers for left back. Should have fetched in a player for. Centre back instead of Cavani, who now can't play in their next game because he's having to quarantine Cavani. But Man United need defensive reinforcements for centre back, not they need another striker. But Man United, very, very poor. And all I'm going to say on this one as well is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gave a new long term contract. I'm going to jump in on this briefly as well. I mean, Lamella started it with Anthony Martial from, with this corner as well. And they should have both gone. Martial should, shouldn't have reacted the way he did. But, but it's the way football goes. I mean, there's things in football. I mean, Luke Shaw got a yellow card for his challenge as well, which was, in my eyes, a professional foul. Um, so anywhere else on the pitch, it's just red card. But because it was like very late on in the game, it's a yellow card. 
no, it's a red card. He didn't make no attempt to play the ball. Um, also, Harry Kane's quick free kick to send Son through as well. I thought that was a good bit of good play. Um, Bruno Fernandes getting the penalty after Davinson Sanchez had fouled um, Martial. I thought, honestly, Davinson Sanchez could have shielded the ball out of play and let it go out for a goal kick, but no, he took his man out and Martial went down to the ground and Bruno Fernandes tucked away the penalty quite nicely as well with a hop, skip and a jump. But um, overall, I think Tottenham really deserved this. And did you? Did anyone actually see um, Jose Mourinho didn't actually smile until about the sixth goal had gone in? Yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, he he, he was obviously uh, he was obviously just making sure he didn't want to get too ahead of himself. Um, guys, also, I'm going to jump in now. Uh, I think I mentioned just before we started. Uh, my brother's come round, uh, and obviously family stuff. Um, thanks for having me on. I don't, I know I don't want to be rude rushing off because I know Malcolm's gone off. Um, but really appreciate you having me on. I'll come on next time when uh, it's just a bit hectic with everything going on. But no, really appreciate having you on, and good luck with the. Uh, podcast and thanks for having me on guys i really appreciate it thank you very much um max cheers. as well it's yeah, been cheers, guys. a all great right. pleasure to have you on yeah cheers mate no it's been really good all the best thanks guys thanks cheers max. thanks mate thanks, max. right so now and now the next so we're going to touch up on the two premier league games that i got left which is arsenal v sheffield uh, arsenal winning at uh, beating sheffield united at home 2-1 uh my thoughts on this is we uh i think it was a very uh, boring game. It looked like it were ending uh, nil-nil, and then we scored like two quick goals through uh, Saka, the young lad who's doing really well, and Pepe who came on. But yet again, we seem to uh, concede goals and take our foot off the gas. And then Leicester City losing three 0 to West Ham away. So who wants to jump in on this one on these two yeah, pitches first? Let's talk about the Arsenal game against Sheffield United. I'm with you. I think it was a really poor, boring game. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the person that changed it really in our favour when he came on was uh, Nicolas Pepe. I think he come on and, and made quite a big difference. Um, and, and even Bellerin, of course, as well, played in that game. And, you know, he got a couple of assists. And um, it was it's kind of uh, one of those teams, you know, Sheffield United come, they park the bus, they defend and try and get a, a draw and come away with a point um, out of that and you know it looked for a long long time that they were going to get that uh, but I do think that you know Nicolas Pepe changed the game when he came on Saka lovely header as well uh, great week for him obviously he's in the England squad as well um, and of course he uh, scored that all-important first goal to give us the opening uh, you know to that, that game against Sheffield United give us the lead in that one as well um, and I think that, yeah, you know, Sheffield United, even towards the end, actually, when they got to 2-1, it did cause us a few problems. And uh, there was a few moments of, um, you know, fear. And, and sort of we were a little bit scared in game, in game time there as well, even with, uh, you know, early on, when you look at David Luiz, for example, what was he doing there? And I think it's the second, third minute, he pulls back the attacker um, and he, he could be sent off for that. And, uh you know, if you look at, I think it's John Egan for Sheffield United, he was sent off for pretty much the same thing a few weeks ago. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, David Luiz, yeah, he's had some good games this season. He he had some good games 
before lockdown as well. And uh, while the games were behind closed doors as well. So to be, to be honest, he fouled his man. Anyway, anyone else could have said that was a penalty because I, I, I thought it was going to be a penalty. You mean but, free kick? It was just outside the box. It was about the uh, edge of the box, I think it was, or just, just well, outside the box. Well, it's it's still a foul for me. And he, he is very lucky to still have been on the pitch. Oh, and I'll it, just jump in on this as well, Sean. Just briefly, the Arsenal game, I think, like you said there, if Louise Ente fouled Oli Burke, I think Burke would have got to that ball before Leno overtook him round him and then he had a shot on goal. So I think he was very lucky not to get sent off. Louise, but I think overall, oh, Sheffield United didn't really create that much in terms of goal scoring options and goal scoring chances. So I think Arsenal deserved it. It was good goals as well, especially Pepe's goal. I like that finish. That was a very good finish from Nicola Pepe in that game. And if he continues to perform like that, I think it's going to be very, very good. I was just going to need to. Just going to quickly jump in there, sorry, Sean. Uh, in regards to that Arsenal Sheffield United game as well, um, you know, we're saying about David Luiz. What What are your thoughts on uh, Sander Berg there on Aubameyang? Because for me, you know, he's he's won the ball originally, but he's gone in as well, and, and you know, it, it studs are showing. So that's could possibly be a, a red card for me, maybe as well. Um, I know he won the ball first of all, but you know, it's still a dangerous bit of play. Yeah, it was very dangerous. And then we, we have a quick one on the Leicester City nil, West Ham 3. Who wants to start us off in this one? Yeah, I'll jump in on this quickly. Um, Leicester were really poor in this. Um, they even had a goal disallowed late on as well with Harvey Barnes scoring, but VAR disallowed the goal for VAR being offside but overall West Ham have had a good start to the season Anybody else wants to jump in on this one quickly? Just briefly as well I just uh, want to kind of echo that as well I think West Ham were excellent you know nobody expected Leicester to beat Man City the way they did last week and then to com- you know completely capitulate this season uh, sorry this weekend I mean um, and just fall apart at home on the back of that you know when they've got the likes of Madison and, and Jamie Vardy all coming back in and, and fit and, you know, sort of firing now, uh, West Ham to go there and win 3-0 was excellent for them. Um, and they started off really well. They were unlucky even to go back to the Arsenal game to not get something from that. And that includes your Premier League roundup. So now we're going to get Russ to take us through the championship which is just coming up now the skybet championship and it's over to russ for that thank you ray so the games we're going to run through is swansea 2 millwall 1 Middlesbrough 2 barnsley 1 brentford 2 preston 4 reading 1 wofford 0 and coming through 1 Bournemouth 3 and we'll start off with Friday's game which was commentary against Bournemouth and Bournemouth really put a show that day and performed really really well and gone up to third in the table 
at this moment in time. Coventry just up in 17th as it stands in Bournemouth. Really deserve the win in this one for me. They created a lot of chances and should have gone on and probably gone more. And my John, go next on this one. If you saw any uh, so, in regards to the Coventry and Bournemouth game, I think Bournemouth, you know, they've got a very good squad still. Um, a lot of squad depth in there. It was a, a positive victory for them, a, a real solid performance. Uh, if you look at some of the players they've got in that squad there as well, you know, they're, they're players that have got Premier League experience and, of course, that's got to be their aim for this season to get back up again. Um, Matty Godden scored for Coventry again as well, so I was uh, always pleased when he scores. Um, but now I think it was a, a good, you know, um, away performance, professional away performance from Bournemouth. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, all I want to say on that. Does anybody else want to have a say on this one? Sean, did you catch any of this? Yeah. On the Alas or Old Mate? I think, I think Bournemouth showed their um, quality uh, to be a, a championship uh, club because, like, they got relegated from the Premier League. Like, they didn't win. I don't, I don't think they got win the game uh, last season, so they had to get off to a, a flying start. Uh, no, no, no disrespect to Coventry who tried to take the game to them, but in the end, Bournemouth was just too much for Coventry at the end of the game. Thank you, there, Ray. Can really see this. Uh, he's not got that much of an opinion on this one, but the next game, he'll have a bit to say. I've and I know that for certain. It's Middlesbrough two balls. They won the Middlesbrough did well in this one, and that were, and this game was Barnsley manager Gerard Struber's last game in charge, as he is now left for New York Red Bulls. But right, two questions to you, mate. Thoughts on the game between Middlesbrough and Barnsley, and second question is, what do you think to the job that Struber did at Barnsley last season? Yeah, so the first point is this was Neil Warnock's 1,500th career game. Uh, very good win for him. I mean, we dug deep. Um, Sam Morsey played out of his skin. Um, we also had Chubarak Pom who played out of his skin as well. I mean, we had a goal disallowed for offside from Sam Morsey. I've just seen the highlights back from earlier. It was, it deflected off Chubber's back and went in the back of the net. Um, Johnny Howson took the, gave Borough the lead just before half time. It was a good, good finish for him. And, Trevor Akpom scored just after half-time and then we conceded a penalty in the 89th minute, which some referees wouldn't have given it, some would, but in my opinion, I don't. I think it's a very, very soft penalty. But Collie Woodrow tucked it away nicely. Um, the manager, Garrett Stromo, going to New York Red Bulls over in the MOS, I think... What he did with Barnsley last season after getting them promoted the following the season before, I think he's done well. He did he kept Barnsley in the championship, which was their um which is what they wanted. 
and he's gone on done well. I mean, Barnsley are not doing the best this season. I mean, they've, they're currently on one point from four games, but overall, I think he's done a good, good um, job at Barnsley, and I wish him all the best at New York Red Bulls. Yes, and he looks like he'll be taking charge of his first New York Red Bulls game late early hours of Thursday morning as well. So good luck to him over there, and hope he has a good, successful career out there. The next championship match that we're going to take a look at is Reading one Watford nil, and Reading have started really, really well so far. Four wins out of four in that. In this season at, the, at this moment in time, and doing really, really well. Got some new signings in on deadline day, new defender in there, which from what I read earlier today seems a very good signing and good, good depth there. I thought they played really well, Reading and dug deep and got the victory there. Anyone want to jump in on this? Sean, have you got Metalks and Mike and Rice? It, it was very scrappy game between Reading and Watford. You can tell, like, either team didn't want to lose this game. But, like, Reading showed their quality in the end with a scrappy 1-0 win, as they like to call it these days. Um, I didn't watch the game as much, so, like, I don't know the stat-wise or anything like that. Um, but four wins from four, Reading would be very happy with the start they've had. And Watford, it was just unlucky on their day. Yes, and the... Next game, which we're going to touch upon, is Swansea 2, Millwall 1. And Swansea are doing well, unbeaten at this moment in time. And they currently sit in fourth, two points behind Reading and Bristol City, who got a win last on Saturday and performed really, really well. Swansea at this moment in time, good win against Millwall. Millwall are a team who can cause a few problems in and around there. They've had a few playoff charges in runs in the past. So it's a very good performance there. Rotherham, well, Millwall, just above Rotherham on goal difference in the table in 11th. So they're going quite nicely as well. So I think it's a good game, that one there between Swansea and... Millwall. Anyone's got anything to say on this? Just briefly, I think that's that Swansea are going to surprise people this season. If you look at the way they've started, they've got some really good results in there. Um, and of course, that's a, a great victory against Millwall as well. Um, my dad's mate is a big Swansea fan. He follows them really closely and he's very, very happy with their start um, and how you know they've been going from uh, you know the, the first four games of the season. Um, and, and he kind of uh, is in agreement with me that they're going to surprise people and, you know, it might be a surprise bet for the playoffs or something like that because uh, they do have a very good squad there. Yes, and good manager that they've got now. And like I said, we've got a good manager there and Steve Cooper as well, Swansea. So I think they'll, like you might think, probably could surprise a few people this time around as well. And moving on to the final game of the championship is Brentford 2, Preston 4 and Brentford 
in this game with two 0 up against Preston and Preston did very very well to come back from two 0 down and is the first defeat that Brentford have had at their Brentford Community Stadium as well in Brentford second half especially when Sinclair pulled one back the defence looked shaky good to see Ivan Tony off the mark with a double with a brace in the first half and he's got three and two now but a good brace there three and two games that is but some good goals and fantastic goals there especially Sean Maguire's where he swivelled to finish after Ben Davis had it down Ledston's corner so that's a very good finish there and Brentford had more shots overall but on target it was Preston had most on target so as in, I've just seen there that Mike and Rice got anything not got anything to say I'm not sure if um, well, I, I have because like um, uh, Brentford losing their first game at home is like it was like yo know, like they they was they were my tip to go up last season, so they like it's a funny old game the championship. You don't know it's unpredictable sometimes. Like good teams do well and then bad teams do uh, worse. So like Brentford had a good season last season, and they wanted to start this season off to a flyer, but like. Going two 0 up against Preston, you want to get the third to kill the game off, and they didn't do that. And at the end, uh, fair play to Preston, they won the game. Yes, and just briefly, just quickly mention, I'm going to say congratulate with Nick listening in, and I know she follows Derby. Congratulations to Derby on the vic first victory of the season away at Norwich and. Carroll is a very tough place. Scott Pookie slipped as he missed that penalty there. So, good luck to the Rams for the remainder of the season. And that's the conclusion of the Skybet Championship games. So, we're now, so we're now going to go through the Skybet League 1. So, the first... We've got five games that we're going to review and just the four games that we're going to preview. Um, so the five games that we're going to review are Blackpool 2, Lincoln 3, MK Dons 1, Ipswich 1, Barton 2, Portsmouth 4, Bristol Rovers 2, Northampton 0, Peterborough 3, Swindon 1. And the games that we're going to preview are going to be the Plymouth Fargo v Barton game, Gillingham v Oxford, Northampton v Peterborough, Crew v Wigan. So Blackpool were... were but what uh, actually... Oh, the Blackpool game against Lincoln. I'm going to start with that game first. Um, anyone got any thoughts on this game first? Yeah, I mean, what a five-goal thriller between Blackpool and Lincoln. Like, you've never seen goals galore. It was like quite, from what I've heard of it, it was like quite end-to-end -end stuff, entertaining game for one of the 
fans, if they were allowed to watch that game, they would have enjoyed that. And uh, Lincoln got the win, as they say. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch this. Um, I watched Tove versus Plymouth Argyle, but it was always a good game, game to watch. I mean, I'm closely watching Alex Palmer, who was at, out on loan at Plymouth Argyle last season. Now he's out on loan at Lincoln. But um, we got any thoughts from there, Mike? Yeah, so I obviously, um, you know, like you sometimes watch Lee Charles and uh, Jane and their watch-alongs that they do at Blackpool Games. Um, and I saw bits of their, their watch-along on this one, the uh, Blackpool-Lincoln game. Um, and they were really, really delighted, of course, when they went 2-1 up. Um, and it all turned for them really, really quickly, didn't it? So hopefully uh, things can pick up for Blackpool. Uh, it's a great away victory there for Lincoln. But, um, yeah, just just hopefully it can pick up for Blackpool. And uh, the next watch-along or, or something like that, the uh, Blackpool fans there, like Lee and Jane, can have something to cheer about because they are uh, going through a bit of a torrid time at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Blackpool had James' husband sent off quite late on as well for a late cha- challenge on Brennan Johnson. So, I mean, which resulted in Lincoln getting back into the game from the penalty spot, which George ja- George Grant had put away the second penalty of the game. And then Monsma put Lincoln 3-2 up in the 88th minute. So that was a good... Good game, Matt. So the next game that we were talking about is the MK Dons Ipswich. Um, For me, MK Dons Ipswich. Ipswich are on a great run of form. They're unbeaten in the start of the season. MK Dons are rock bottom with two points from their four games. So Ipswich for me could have easily won this, but they lost out when Harvey scored in the 54th minute to equalize for MK Rons. So anyone got any thoughts on this? Uh, Yep. So that's, that so the next game that we're going to talk about is the um Burton 2 Portsmouth 4 uh this game was a very good game as well with Harness scoring a hat trick who is a former Burton player as well um Marcus Harness, so that was good for him to score a hat trick against this former side. Um, but they also were two one down in this game as well because they scored in the second minute. But Lucas Aikens and Naylor had put through his own net to give Barton a two one half time lead. So and then what more 
scored in the 60th minute after Harness had scored in the 47th minute and then the 74th minute they won it so has anyone got any thoughts on this one I just thought that was a really end-to-end game actually that one there um between Burton and Portsmouth obviously I've seen Portsmouth play because they played Steenage in the Carabao Cup and narrowly knocked Steenage out of that on penalties um and they're a good side they're uh a very well supported side, you know, a side that um, have a lot of depth in their, their squad as well, a lot of quality players in there, managed by a quality manager as well. Um, and I think they'll be up there this season. I know Burton have uh, strengthened quite well as well. Uh, but that was just a, a really good victory in terms of, uh, you know, Portsmouth's uh, going there and winning that one. And of course, you mentioned there in regards to Harness as well, as a quality uh, hat trick for him, wasn't it? Yeah. So, the next game we'll go to is Peterborough 3, Swindon 1. Swindon took an early lead after six minutes through Jack Payne. And then Peterborough came pegging back through Clark Harris, the former Bristol Rovers man. And Broom got the winner in the 78th minute. So it was a good, good win that for Peterborough after going a goal down. At home to Swindon. Um, anyone got any thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, um, Peterborough showed their uh, well, they showed their quality near the end, uh, but they did go one down, one nil down in like six minutes. So like straight away, they was already on the back foot, um, back foot of the game. But then then they got into the game and then scored the equaliser, and then they just scored two goals and won the game three one. Yeah, so that's a good good perspective there from Sean. Uh, the next game I'm going to talk about is going to start into the previews as well because we're mentioning uh, Northampton v Peterborough in the previews. So we're going to go to Bristol Rovers, the 2-0 victory over Northampton. Uh, so my thoughts on this is Hanlon scored a penalty after 55 minutes. Northampton went down to 10 men after 60th minute. And then Jack Baldwin, the former Hartlepool centre-back, um, scored in the 79th minute to give Bristol Rovers the win. Um, I mean, Bristol Rovers are a good side. Um, it's, it's just, they're struggling in bits as well. But they need... To actually get their form going, I mean, they've won one, drawn one, and lost two from their first four games. So it's it's they'll be in and around the mid table, I think, for Bristol Rovers. Anyone got any thoughts on this before we preview the Northampton Peterborough game? Okay, we're just now going to go straight into the previews. So we'll preview the Northampton versus Peterborough game first. So, Mike, what's your preview of this game? Yeah, so it's quite a, a good, um, interesting game. That one, obviously, Peterborough are up there in eighth. Uh, Northampton are struggling towards you know the, the bottom end at the moment in sixteenth, losing their last two, whereas Peterborough won their last game. They've lost one, lost one is their uh, record in the league for Peterborough. 
So um, I think this means that they're going to lose the next one, is it? Hold on. Uh, lost one, lost one. Yeah, lost. So uh, I'm going to go for a Newport victory, uh, sorry, a Northampton victory because I think they're due one. So I'm going to go uh, Peter Bra to, to um, lose by two goals to one. And over to you, Ross. I think it'd be a good game this way. Peterborough doing very well up near the top, just outside the playoffs as well. So they're all doing well, a point behind Gillingham and Doncaster heading into this, this game. Down at the bottom, Northampton, point above the drop zone, which is the final relegation place, which is occupied by Blackpool. So, I think Peterborough win this by three goals to nil. And over to Sean. Yeah, I mean, like, Northampton have struggled in, like, League One football. And they, like Mike said, they're due for a win against uh, Peterborough, who are in, like, shocking form themselves. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tight game. It's it's one of those who who breaks first on a kind of team. So uh, I'm gonna go for two one Peterborough. Yeah, my thoughts on this is that Northampton are finding life back in League One a bit of a challenge. Peterborough have won two, lost two, so I think it could be a two two draw here. The next game that we're gonna preview from Skybet League One is going to be the Plymouth Argyle game v Ho and as a no not Plymouth Argyle v Ho Plymouth Argyle v Burton sorry um so we're going to tie that one up now uh, as Plymouth Argyle playing Burton um it's my hometown team, the team that I support. Um, Plymouth have won one, drew two, lost one. Um, and after a defeat to Ho last week, I think we could go on to win this. I'm going to go 2-1 to the Greens. So, what's your thoughts on this, Sean? Well, Plymouth at home to Burton Albion. This is going to be one of those interesting games. So, hopefully, I'm not wrong. Um, Burton went two, uh, two one up against uh, Portsmouth and lost the game four two. I think Plymouth will win, uh, but I'm going to go with a one nil victory to Plymouth. And to you, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Sean, I think, as well. I think it's going to be a clean sheet for Plymouth, um, and I think they'll get two. So I think it's going to go 2-0 uh, to the Greens in this one. And to you, Russ? I think, right, way, Plymouth, they, yes, I, I spoke to you about this, about the game the other day, the Plymouth game. I've seen they won one, lost one, drawn two so far, currently on five, five points. And I think... It'll be another close game. Right? I know Burton are going to go one, three points from the opening four, 
but Burton can beat anybody on the day. So I think it'll be a close game, right? But I think you'll edge it 2-1 to the Greens. Yep, thank you very much there, Ross. Uh, the next game that we're going to pre- preview is the Gillingham-Oxford game. And I'm going to chuck this out to you first, Russ. Oxford down in 18th. Gillingham in the final playoff spot as it stands at the moment. Gillingham going really, really well under former Leeds boss Steve Evans and his assistant Paul Rain, also the ex-Robham management team. I think it'll be a close game, which I think Gillingham will win 2-1. In the finish, right? And to you, Sean. Wow, Oxford had a had a good start last season, but they've done disastrous this season. What a, what a change of fortune they they're in at the moment. And Gillingham uh, will be no pushovers in this game, so I'm gonna go for a two-one Gillingham win. And to you, Mike. Yeah, so two of them are actually in good form. They've uh, won two and, and drawn one in their last three games that they've been involved in. Um, so I think they'll continue their, their form as well, and I think they'll win this one. Uh, I'm going to go one extra than these guys. I'm going three one to join them. Yes, so my thoughts on this. Gillingham, two wins from their four games. Uh, Oxford have only played three due to COVID-19 restrictions between them and the last game which would have been against crew i think uh so oxford could prove to be a good force against gillingham but i ain't looking anywhere further because i think gillingham are going to win this and i think it's going to be 2-1 as well and the last game that we're going to preview is the game between Crew and Wigan. And we're going to come to you first, Mike, on this one. Yeah, so this is quite a, an interesting game, actually. Crew are down there in 20th, but they did win their last game that they took, pl- took place in the league. Uh, and Wigan are up there in 10th position, and they've won their last two. So both of them are going into the game with a win under their belt on the, the previous game that they played. Um, so I think it's going to be a draw this time out. I'm going to go score draw, one-one. Uh, yeah. Uh, my thoughts on this is Crew. I've only played the three games as well, one-one and lost two. I think I think that it'll be a good game. Uh, I'm going to go for a score draw, and I'm going to go two-two. Oh, this is going to be a tight one, isn't it? Between Crew, Alexander, and Wigan Athletic. So, the team that's in twentieth, and versus the team in tenth. I think it's going to be a, a draw as well, and I'm going to go for a one-one draw. And to you, Russ. Yes, yeah, so just looking as well, right? Crew only one win from the opening three, and you was right, right? They would have played Oxford. Last weekend, but the crew player tested positive for COVID. So, all the best to them. Wigan doing well at the moment. Six points from the opening 12 games. 
well, opening 12 points on offer, should I say, not 12 games. Which should have been playing four games, guys. But I think I think he'll be a draw as well. And I'm going to go for a draw like what you said, right? I'm going for a Desmond as well. I'm going 2-2. Yeah. And we've come to you, Mike, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. So now we are going into the final segment of the RS Media Live podcast, which is now the Skybet League 2, which Mike Kahneman is going to take us through. Right, thank you very much for that, Ray. So I've got five games I'm going to be talking about uh, and then a preview for four as well. So we'll go to the first one that I'm going to talk about, and it's the game between Colchester and Oldham. Uh, that was Oldham's first point of the season, and it was uh, finished in a 3-3 draw. So I'm not too sure if anyone's got anything to say in regards to that, but that, of course, was uh, a really good game of football. It was enthralling, entertaining, and uh, it took Oldham an 89th-minute penalty to equalise there through Connor McElhenney. And, um, of course, Colchester looked like they were going to get the win up until that. So uh, any thoughts on that one, Russ or, or Sean? I know we're at the visit from Rye at the moment. Um, yeah, anyway. uh, yeah, like you said, it, it, it was a brilliant game between the two pairs, like free all, all draw. And you could tell, like, no team wanted to lose this game. So I think, like, for a point for both teams, uh, they'll be happy with the point. I think you're right as well, and that's a great uh, point for Oldham to get off the, the mark for them as well. Um, obviously, with Harry Kuehl in, in charge now, of course, uh, you know him from his time at Leeds, Russ. Um, so let's go to the second game we're going to talk about. Harrogate Town won Bolton 2. So that was uh, Bolton's first victory of the season. And of course, you know, they've struggled a lot, relegated from League 1 last season as well. Uh, Harrogate were promoted from the National League. And that's uh, a great victory there for Bolton, in my opinion. Uh, doesn't look like there's anything from uh, Russ there. I think Rye wants to say something in regards to that one. Go ahead, mate. Yeah, so um, this actually was the first time in 13 games that Bolton had won, which is stretching back to their season in League One where they got relegated. Uh, and they actually really took, took to this game really well with Ewan Doyle scoring quite early on after about 11 minutes um, and then they did score again with Nathan D'Alfonso who they signed from Blackpool and then Harrogate pegged them back by a goal but it, was, it wasn't end-to-end game but I was so happy to see Antony Sarsovic the former Argo man who is now the Bolton captain getting his first win under their belts. Yeah, 100% agree with that as well. And hopefully they uh, better kick on from that. The third game we're going to talk about is the game between Crawley Town and Southend United. That was uh, a 1-1 draw. And Southend equalised late on through Ralph in that one. Nathan Ralph in the 84th minute to give them their first point upon relegation from League One as well. Um, I don't know if anyone's got anything they want to talk about there in regards to the game between Crawley and Southend United, or should we uh, skip on to the next one? Um, I think we're going to move on to the next one there. That's a good point for Southend, and hopefully they can kick on, as I said. Uh, the last 
sorry, second from last game, I should say, that we're going to talk about in terms of um, the review is the Mansfield defeat of, uh, way at Newport. So uh, has anyone got any thoughts on that? It was 2-1 to Mansfield. Um, sorry, was it Mansfield and Newport? Yeah, Mansfield's win, sorry, over Newport, I should say. Let me correct myself there. And um, is that right? Or did they lose 2-1? I think I might be looking at the wrong fixture here. Hold on a minute. Uh, Newport beat Mansfield 2-1. Yeah, Matty Dolan scored. That's right, yeah. Um, and it was a late 88th-minute penalty. And uh, Mansfield were 1-0 up in this game. And Newport scored late on um, through Twine. And then with two minutes to go, Newport got a winning penalty there as well through uh, Matty Dolan. So uh, has anyone got any thoughts on that one there? Yeah, I mean, like, Newport showed that the reason why they're good at home, like, they beat some good teams at home, Newport. Like, in the FA Cup, they had some big scalps there, Newport. Um, so they've done really well as a team. So, like, they'll be pleased with the win to go to, to beat Mansfield at home. All right, and I don't think anyone else has got anything in regards to that one. So the final game... It's the game between Stevenage and Salford City. And it finished Stevenage nil, Salford City 1. And it was Ashley Hunter's goal after two minutes that gave the visitors the lead in that one. Um, I thought Stevenage, you know, were well beaten on the day by a strong Salford side that will be up there challenging for League 2 promotion this season. Um, you know, we did sort of struggle to create. And, uh, yeah, we weren't actually great in that game. And, and Salford kind of got the early goal and then you know, defended well and, and could have even maybe nicked a second as well. Um, so I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on that one there in regards to Stevenage and Salford. Um, nothing from Sean, nothing from Ryan, anything from you, Russ, or not? Nope. So we'll, we'll skip over that one and into the previews. Um, and we'll start with Mansfield and Stevenage, first of all. Of course, Stevenage are three games without a win at the moment, lost all three in the... Um, two in the, the league, the last two league games, and also yesterday against Milton Keynes in the uh, Checker Trade Trophy as well. So Stevenage are, you know, really struggling at the moment. Uh, and Mansfield there lost to a late goal as well. So uh, let's go to you first, Russ, on that one. What do you reckon to this game? I've not really seen, I haven't seen any League Two match, so I can't really comment on this one. So, no, it's, it's a preview. Preview for Mansfield Stevenage at the weekend. I think Stevenage will probably nick in Mike against Mansfield. I know Mansfield are doing well at the moment, but I think Stevenage will start to pick up the games and I think they'll win two on Mike. I think Stevenage will get the win there. Okay, um, let's go to Rye first. That's Rye second, I should say before I go to Sean and then obviously give mine at the end of this one before we move on to the, the next um, lot of fixtures. Yeah, I, I think Mansfield is struggling as well. I mean, losing to Lincoln, Newport, Exeter, drawing to Leighton Orient and losing to Manchester United under-21s in the EFL Trophy. I mean, Stevenage have lost the last three, but losing to MK Dons, who's a league above them, Salford, who last season it was 2-0 to Salford. This season it was 1-0. Losing 2-1 to Bradford, beating Southampton, beating Oldham and drawing with Barrow. I actually think that Swin, uh, 
that Stevenage will pull this off and actually come out with a good victory. So I'm going to go for a 3-2 victory for Stevenage. That's quite a uh, goal-scoring game there then. Uh, what about you, Sean, before I have my views on this and then move on to the next couple of uh, previews we've got here? Well, man, man, like like Ryan's been saying, Mansfield has been really poor uh, in my eyes. And uh, yeah, I think Stevenage might win 3-0. Well, you lot have been the optimist. I, uh, you know, I, I have to be a little bit real. You know, we've, we've uh, got our identity about us. I don't think we'll be challenging for promotion. Do I think we'll be getting, you know, um, into the playoffs? No. You know, do I think we might be struggling towards relegation? I'd, I'd be surprised. But I think we have to kind of break this losing streak really now. Um, so I'm going to go, we'll, we'll break it, but I don't think we'll win. I'm going to go, it's going to be uh, a 1-1 draw this one. And we'll get a, another point there to add to the tally. Um, the, the next game we're going to talk about there is the game between Southend and Exeter City. So uh, let's go to you first on that one, Sean. What do you reckon to the game at Roots Hall? How do you reckon that's uh, going to pan out? Well, Southend uh, South will be uh, quite pleased with the point in the last game to get off the mark. The only thing is, I think Exeter might be a bit strong for uh, Southend. So I think it's going to be a 2-1 X to win. Right. And then, Ray, obviously you follow Plymouth, so you know a bit about Exeter as well, being uh, another local side. So how do you reckon they'll do in this game away at Southend? Well, Mark Mosley, the Southend manager, played for Exeter after a brief spell with Argyle a few years ago. Um, and he hasn't, really got off to the best of starts in Football League management after getting Weymouth promoted to the Vanarama National League. So, my thoughts on this is that Exeter proved to be too strong for him. Randall Williams, outstanding player at right wing back, right back right back, right mid, wherever you want to play him. Um, Lee, Matty Lee, uh, not Matty Lee, Matty J, who plays up front, good, good striker. And they've got some good talented players. I mean, they've now got money after Ollie Watkins being sold to Aston Villa from Brentford. For 28 million, so they recouped about five million pounds of money there from that sale. So I've, I think they're going to be a very strong force for Southend this season, uh, this game. Um, and I think they'll be good this season as well. So I'm going to go for a, a thumping. This is going to be, and I think it's going to be a five nil victory for the Grecians. Well, that is a strong uh, prediction there. Very bold prediction. Uh, you don't fancy sticking a few quid on that then, though, so you can get yourself some, some extra money. Um, let's go to Russ. You haven't had this one yet, have you? No, Mark. I think it'll be a tough game for South. And yes, they got the point last weekend, but Exeter started well. Seven points out of 12. Doing really well in the table. I think Exeter will be proven to be too strong and I'm going to say Exeter will win by 
four goals to nil. Okay, so we've got a five nil, four nil. What did you go with, Sean, in the end? Two one. Two one. I'm going to go um, a three nil victory for Exeter. I think they'll be too strong as well. And uh, Southend, obviously, you know, they did get their first point on the board at the weekend, but I do think Exeter will beat them quite convincingly this time out. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is the game between Bolton and Grimsby Town. Obviously, Bolton uh, got their first victory of the season against Harrogate this weekend. Um, do you reckon they'll follow it up, uh, Russ? I do, actually, Mike. Grimsby not really started well. Yes, they've only played two games so far, but they've not really started off very, very well. Bolton, good victory against Harrogate. I saw quite a lot of them last season. We also watched them in the National League games as well, and thought they did really, really well. I think it'll be, well, I think it'll be close game, but I think Bolton, but I think Grimsby will lose this 3 0. Okay, so that's not really a close game, then, is it, Russ, to be fair? But anyway, um, let's come up to you, Ryan, next uh, in regards to this one. Do you reckon Bolton will make it two wins out of two in their last two games? Well, I'd like to think so. Anthony Sarswich, very good centre mid, plays attacking midfield for Bolton of late, but I think he's going to get them going. Ewan Dyle's now scored his first goal for Bolton, so I think that'll kick start him. And Nathan Delfonso's also scored his first goal as well. So I think Bolton have snatched this. And I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. Okay. Um, before we go to you, Sean, I'll do mine next on this one. I think Bolton will win as well. And I think they're going to win by two goals to nil over Grimsby. Uh, what do you make of this, Sean? How do you reckon this will turn out? Yeah, well, Bolton got their first win uh, last week against Harrogate Town. I mean, Harrogate Town started good in League Two uh, as the first time in League Two. Uh, I think a win breeds confidence in any football team. So, like, it's at the um, Bolton uh, University Stadium. So, I think Bolton will win 2-0. Right, and then the final one that we're going to talk about is the game between Barrow and Leighton Orient. Of course, Barrow, another side that have just come up as well. Leighton Orient have had all their issues with uh, the quarantine and, and COVID and stuff as well. So, uh, let's come to you first, Roy, on this one. How do you reckon this is going to pan out and... Do you reckon Leighton Orient, you know, will uh, be able to get something from Barrow away? Well, Leighton Orient have had a few issues with COVID-19 taking place. Barrow have drawn two of their four games. So, it could go either way. I mean, Leighton Orient have only played the three games at the moment. I mean, they got absolutely hammered in their last league game because they had to quarantine some of the play most of their players and I, I think that they will get a lucky 2-2 draw I think for both teams Alright we'll move on to uh, Sean, next, you want to take this one now? Yeah, I mean, like, 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 like I said, uh, Leighton Orient had the, all their problems with uh, quarantine and all that lot, and 
and they missed the the League Cup uh, game against uh, Tottenham, which uh, they got uh, Tottenham got the bye, and um, I'm going to go with a draw, but it's going to be one-one for me. Okay, so we've got two draws in there. Um, how do you reckon this will go, Rush? Do you reckon a draw as well, or do you reckon Barrow might be too strong for them, or do you see Leighton Orient getting a victory? Looking at the where both teams are in the table, and Barrow's two points behind Leighton at this moment in time, although Leighton have got a game in hand, so that could really change depending on if Leighton win their game in hand. I think it'll be a close game. I don't think it'll be a draw, Mike. I think Leighton Orient will win it. 1-0, 90th minute winner. Okay, um, and I'm going to go just, just finally on that as well. I think it's going to be a Barrow victory as well. So we, um, we've got somebody going for, you know, the opposite to what you've gone for there, Russ, and obviously the others have gone for a draw. I'm going to go a Barrow victory by two goals to one. And that concludes the review and the preview of the, the uh, League Two football for this week. Yeah, so thank you very much to Mike there for joining us to do the League Two segment there. And we're now just going to get up to wrap this up. Sorry, it's a short podcast this week. It's due to it being an international break. Um, and there's not much to preview for the Championship and the Premier League. So we'll be bringing you that next week when we return with a preview show of the Premier League and the Championship uh, alongside reviewing the League One and League Two with a preview of them leagues as well. Uh, the podcast next week will be a pre-recorded show. Um, it will still be being put out on Wednesday from 8pm. It's due to us at RS Media have decided that we're going to do the live commentary of the England game v Denmark. So that game will be put out live commentary from 8 o'clock. So... The podcast will be still going live at eight o'clock. It'll be posted out um, on a pre premiere, but will be live from half seven with a commentary. Uh, we'll be bringing you commentary of all three England games that are happening this week, with the first one being against Wales on Thursday at 7.45 and then we've got Belgium on Sunday at 5 o'clock and then we will have Denmark next Wednesday. So thank you very much to Mike, Russ, Sean, Malcolm and Max for all joining us tonight. We've been the RS Media Live podcast, fifth episode and Good night.